Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. I've got some 19th century fake news for you today. We'll talk about it on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. This is B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. If you're getting this in July of 2023, use the coupon code WASHINGTON. Get $70 off my newest class, Reading George Washington. It's an awesome class. You get it for $70 off by using the coupon code WASHINGTON. You're going to get the real George Washington in this class. So it's in his own words, too. So that's what makes that class so important. You can also buy other classes there. And, of course, everything you do purchase there supports this show and keeps this podcast free of charge. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on the support tab if you want to throw a few pennies my way. If you're watching on YouTube, use the super thanks button under the video and throw a few pennies my way that way. You can also buy my logo and all kinds of cool stuff at brianmcclanahan.com. Click on the shop tab. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And of course, send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. All right. Well, over the weekend, I was uh, dragged into a discussion about a document that Jefferson Davis supposedly wrote in 1863 in response to Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Now, this was circulating around in a couple of different places. I saw it uh, in the last month or so in a couple of different places. Uh, people had shared around on social media. This was definitively uh, proving that the war was about slavery and these Southerners were just a bunch of evil, you know, slave uh, cap- uh, capture, slave, uh, you know, slave drivers and all these kind of things, right? So um, this document was used uh, to uh, show that the, that the South really was more interested in slavery than anything else. So the other day, uh, this was actually posted again on my on my timeline this time. I saw somebody post it there. And there was a discussion about it, um, about whether it was real or not. In fact, it came from an account, uh, the, the person that sent it to me came from an account with about, I think, around 40,000 uh, followers on Twitter. And this person had posted it there showing it. I mean, you really want to see something insane? Look at this document from Jefferson Davis in 1863. And look what he says. Because what's going to happen is all free blacks in the South are going to be enslaved. Uh, They're going to enslave every black around the United States if they win. Uh, The United States is going to be reunified. And so at that point, slavery is going to be uh, foisted on everybody in the United States. So if this is true... If this document was real, which it isn't, and I'll get into it in a minute, and I'll actually go through some of the documents. It's not long. 
If this document was real, that would be pretty damning evidence about what the South was intending to do. I mean, this would be really awful stuff, right? If the, if the South, if Southerners were interested in forcing that institution, slavery, on everybody, no matter if they're free or slave, or, I mean, at that point, in the United States, didn't matter if they're North, South, well, that would be pretty pretty damning, right? Uh, that would That would be something that people would talk about, you would think, that historians would mention over and over again in their books on the Confederacy and the South and these kind of things. The problem is nobody does mention this. But the document is is out there, right? The Library of Congress has a copy of it. It's a broadside. And uh, this broadside, I mean, here it is. It's got signed Jefferson Davis, Richmond Inquirer, 1863. In fact, it gives you the date, right? January 5th, 1863. So you go and start looking at this. First of all, we're going to go over why this thing is a fake, but I, I want to I want to read some of this. And again, pretty pretty damning evidence if it's if it's true that this would be something that you know Davis would have written. So the title is an address to the people of the free states by the president of the Southern Confederacy. That's the title of the of the document. And supposedly Jefferson Davis wrote this. In fact, it's signed Jefferson Davis. It's printed in the Richmond Inquirer, January 5th, 1863, according to the document. So let me go through the, the text, and then I'm going to talk to you about why this thing is conclusively a fake. There's several reasons. So the people, you're going to see this at times. It's going to come up again. People are going to post this thing, because here it is at the Library of Congress. Now, of course, the Library of Congress tells you in the description, it's a fake. <laughs> they tell you it's a fake. But they still have it there. So every now and then, you're probably going to see somebody print this thing, put it up on social media somewhere, saying, here it is, Jefferson Davis. Look at these horrible things Jefferson Davis said. But I'm going to give you some more ammunition for this. Not just the Library of Congress says it's fake, but there's much more to this and why this is conclusively a fake. And nobody should even pay attention to this thing. Uh, But, of course, when you have fake news out there, you have to talk about why it's fake news. So he says, citizens of the non-slaveholding states of America. Now, first of all, let me let me just address that that part of this. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you where this thing is a fake as I go through it. It'd be easier to do it that way. Citizens of the non-slaveholding states of America. Jefferson Davis never used that language, ever. He never used it. He always addressed the United States as the United States, always. He never used the term citizens of the non-slaveholding states of America. So whoever wrote this doesn't even know how Jefferson Davis addresses the United States. There's there's plenty of documentation on this, right? Just go out and you can get the messages and papers of pres of messages and papers of the Confederate States of America, edited by James D. Richardson. He also edited a multi-volume work on the messages and papers of the presidency of the United States. But Richardson did one of the Confederacy as well. And if you go through that and look at it, anytime Davis is talking about the United States, he uses that term, the United States. He actually uses the Honorable Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States. He uses that over and over again. But that's not how this particular document addresses the United States. That's red flag number one. It conclusively proves that Davis didn't write this. The other thing is Davis never called himself President of the Southern Confederacy. He called himself President of the Confederate States of America. That's what he said. That's the, that's the title that he had. So whoever wrote this, again, doesn't even understand 
how Davis would have used the language. So the language from the beginning is fake. It's fake. I'll get into some of the other stuff in a minute. But just that first part of it, it's fake. He calls himself often thereby endangering my position as the president of the Southern Confederacy. Again, Davis never used that. So he goes on in this first paragraph of this piece to say, look, I've tried every peaceful means I can do. I'm not going to read this thing word for word, but I've tried every peaceful means I can do. By international rules. But he says, all my efforts in the premises have heretofore been unavailing. Again, Davis didn't write like this. You can go out and read his his autobiography, you can read his rise and fall of the Confederate government. David didn't, Davis didn't, didn't speak this way in any of it. He never wrote like this. The piece is written by someone from New England pretending to be Jefferson Davis and then trying to circulate this around as proof that Davis would have said things like this. He says, For nearly two years my people have been defending their inherent rights, their political, social, and religious rights against the speculators of New England and their allies in the states heretofore regarded as conservative. Again, J Davis doesn't write this way. Now, I will tell you this. There are terms, at times people use terms conservative. Calhoun used that. What I find fascinating about that term conservative, this is what the radical Republicans would call the Democrats of the North. They would call them the conservatives. Davis probably wouldn't have used that term at all. So this is very interesting because he's, they're using a term here that Davis and Southerners would not have used to describe the northern states or even those in the northern states that would be aligned with them. Maybe they might, but probably not. But the radical Republicans did. Henry Winter Davis, if you take my class at McClanahan Academy, uh, reading radical or just radical Republicans, the title of it. If you take that class, I've got a, a speech in there from Henry Winter Davis, who uses that very term, conservative. He labels his opponents conservatives. And generally, that's how the radical Republicans did uh, these kind of things, right? They use that term. So that's a clue right now, right there, that this is written by a radical Republican. Not by Jefferson Davis. Again, the language at the beginning. Definitely not Jefferson Davis. And this is also a clue that it's probably not Jefferson Davis, or I should, I should say definitively not Jefferson Davis. The people of the Southern Confederacy, again, Davis never used that term. He called it the Confederate States. Have, making sacrifices such as the modern world has never witnessed, patiently but determinedly, stood between their home interests and the well-paid, well-fed, and well-clad mercenaries of the abolitionists. And I need not say that they have nobly vindicated the good name of American citizens. Davis um, did talk about abolitionists. He, he, did, he did say these kind of things, but not really in this way. So the language here is a little closer to maybe something Davis would have said, but not the syntax again is off. If you read Davis, it doesn't sound like Davis at all. What you got to do is just read several of his Speeches. I've got a great class at McClanahan Academy on that too, reading Jefferson Davis. If you read, if you took that class and you went through the documents that I gave you, and then you compared it to this, there's no, there's no comparison. This is really strange syntax, and of course the terms that he's using just don't fit. Heretofore, the warfare has been conducted by white men, 
peers, scions of the same stock. But the program has been changed, and your rulers, despairing of a triumph by the employment of white men, have degraded you and themselves by inviting the cooperation of the black race. Thus, while they depreciate the intervention of white men, the French and the English, in behalf of the Southern Confederacy, they, you, these abolitionists do not hesitate to invoke the intervention of the African race in favor of the North. Now, again, Davis wouldn't really say this. He did actually address the Emancipation Proclamation in his annual address to Congress about, uh, I think it was January uh, 12th, I think is when he did that, January 12th, 1863. And he talked about it, not in these terms. Okay, and that's another clue that this is just completely fake. He talked about it. He lamented what was happening. Um, he did think that this was going to be a nasty situation. They were inviting the extermination of Southerners at that point. But he also had a pity for, for slaves uh, who he thought were going to be uh, essentially thrown to the wolves. This is something that Davis and other Southerners, Alexander Stevens, but there are many, many others that talked about with immediate emancipation that the real problem with it in their mind was that there wouldn't be any kind of training, education, compensation, anything for these people. This is the famous situation of Alexander Stevens asking Abraham Lincoln what's going to happen with, with the slaves when they're freed. And Lincoln says they're going to root hog or die. Well, that's not what Davis and, and Stevens and others thought should happen. I mean, they were worried about this, not just for the South, right? I mean, what they thought this could do in terms of creating a volatile situation, but in terms of the people themselves, the humane condition of slaves, if they're just left on their own, what's going to happen to them? This is a concern they did have. So, again, the language is very odd, but Davis never really, I mean, he did, he did again, he did talk about the abolitionists, but not in the way that this particular piece makes it out to be, right? This Again, the syntax, the, the arrangement, the the way that he, he uses the language is just not Jefferson Davis. So he says, The time has therefore come when becoming when he becoming respect for the good opinion of the civilized world impels me to set forth the following facts. Now, <laughs> this sounds a lot like the Declaration of Independence. The fact has therefore come when in becoming respect for the good opinion of the civilized world. It sounds a lot like something that would have been written in the Declaration. And Davis never did anything like that. First, Abraham Lincoln, the president of the non-slaveholding states. Again, the clue. That's the biggest clue. Davis always called him president of the United States. President of the United States. He always viewed the two sections as separate, and he wanted to, to make sure that he identified that as so. We had a Confederate states, independent Confederate states, and an independent United States. And he always wanted to make sure there was no non-slaveholding states and slaveholding states. That would make it seem like there's still a union. And Davis never thought that. The South broke. They were gone. They had seceded. They were out. This would imply that there was some type of union still. And he just wouldn't have done that. Has issued his proclamation declaring the slaves within the limits of the Southern Confederacy to be free. Now, again, he never used the term Southern. It was always Confederate States of America. Abraham Lincoln has declared that the slaves so emancipated may be used in the army and navy now under his control, by which he means to employ against the free people of the South insurrectionary measures, the inevitable tendency of which will be to inaugurate a servile war and thereby prove destructive in a great measure to slave property. Now, therefore, as a compensatory measure, I do hereby issue the following address to the people of the non-slaveholding states. So, as a compensatory measure. So, I'm going to issue this, this address because of this, and I'm going to address it. Now, 
I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but let's get through the language again here. Just a couple of things. Then we'll talk about the real problem with this essay as well. On and after February 22nd, 1863, all free Negroes within the limits of the Southern Confederacy shall be placed on the slave status and be deemed to be chattels, they and their issue forever. Now, this never happened. There were still free blacks in the South after February 22nd, 1863. In fact, a lot of them. Nothing like this ever happened. Nobody was, was enslaved in the South that was free. Ever. Ever. So the fact that this never happened, that the Congress never took this up, or anything, there's never, there was never a policy. Davis never mentioned this at any point, at any time, in any public document except for this one. Well, that's awful odd if this was a real document. you think there would be some type of legislative trail behind this, some paper trail. Congress would have talked about it. Somebody would have talked about it. No one talked about it. Why? Because nobody in the South wrote this thing. It was written by a bunch of New England dopes who wanted to use this as propaganda. All Negroes who shall be taken in any of the states in which slavery does not now exist and the progress of our arms shall be judged immediately after such capture to occupy the slave status. And, if, and in all states which shall be vanquished by our arms, all free Negroes shall, ipso facto, be reduced to the condition of helotism, so that the respective normal conditions of the white and black races may be ultimately placed on a permanent basis, so as to prevent the public peace from being thereafter endangered. So they wouldn't be... The helot, of course, is a term that was uh, used by the Spartans for the, the slaves around Sparta, right? A helot. Um... And it, it was kind of like a slave, but I mean, not, not a chattel slave. It was a different kind of slave. So what Davis would be saying here is that everybody in the United States would be subjected to slavery if the Southern Confederacy occupies these areas. Now, a lot of people have spent a lot of time looking at this, and they would say, well, there's evidence of you know, Southerners re-enslaving people or capturing people. There's, there's, there's charges made of this. Okay, there, there are People have charged that. But not in this way. And it would be amazing, because if this document is there and it's real, then all of these people that talk about this would eventually refer back to this document as saying, here's Confederate policy. But you know what? They don't ever do that. Why? Because this thing's a fake. And even here, there's questions about whether that actually happened very often. Okay, so there's that too. Now, Davis would have said some things that we consider very racist. He did think that blacks were an inferior race, but so did Abraham Lincoln. So did almost everybody in the United States or the Southern Confederacy, quote, the Confederacies. Just about everybody in America at this time thought that. This wouldn't have been unusual in 1863 for someone to think that, north or south. So you can find plenty of statements that Davis actually wrote where he says these kind of things without having to go to something fake. But because it's not shocking like this, I mean, this would be shocking. This is true. Then um, this would be very shocking, but it's not true. This is a fake document. He says, therefore, while I would not ignore the conservative policy of the slave states, again, using conservative, that's something the radical Republicans would say, the conservative policy of the slave states. Namely, that a federal government cannot, without violating the fundamental principles of the Constitution, 
interfere with the internal policy of the several states. Since, however, Abraham Lincoln has seen fit to ignore the Constitution he has solemnly sworn to uphold or support, it ought not to be considered polemically or politically improper in me to vindicate the position which has been at the early day of this Southern Republic assumed by the Confederacy, namely that slavery is the cornerstone of a Western Republic. Again, Davis never said anything like that. Now, Alexander Stevens supposedly said something like that, even though later in the war, by 18, when he starts writing in his journal about this, even after the war, he said, I never said it the way that it was written down. This sounds like somebody took that speech, merged it with the Declaration, threw in some things they thought would sound authentic, and then said, here it is, from Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy. It is not necessary for me to elaborate this proposition. I may merely refer in passing to the prominent fact that the South is emphatically a producing section of North America. This is equally true of the West and Northwest, the people of which have been mainly dependent on the South for the consumption of their products. The other states in which slavery does not exist have occupied a middle position as to the South, West, and Northwest. The states of New England, from which all complicated difficulties have arisen, owe their greatness and power to the free suffrages of all other sections of North America. A New Englander certainly wrote this. Just by that language, a New Englander certainly wrote this. And yet, as is now evident, they have, from the adoption of the federal constitution, waged a persistent warfare against interests of all the other states of the old Union. The great center of their opposition has been slavery, while the annual statistics of the respective state governments abundantly prove that they entertain within all their boundaries fewer Negroes than any single state which does not tolerate slavery. So, Davis would be theoretically pointing out the hip, uh, hypocritical position of, of New England. But he didn't write this. So, this is New Englander saying these things, trying to write something again that sounds authentic, but that Davis wouldn't have written, and it doesn't sound like Davis. In view of these facts, and conscientiously believing that the proper condition of the Negro is slavery, or a complete subjection to the white man, and entertaining the belief that the day is not distant when the old Union will be restored with slavery nationally declared, to the proper condition of the all-African descent. Now, that is another clue that Davis didn't write this. Davis was offered, or at least there was some discussion about some kind of treaty, some kind of peace treaty. His first position was always independence. Davis never would have accepted a reunification of the United States, ever. In his mind, the only thing that could end the war was securing independence. That was it. It never would have been the old union will be restored. He never would have said something like that, ever. It's another clear, clear proof that Davis didn't write this thing. And in view of the future harmony and progress of all the states of America, I have been induced to issue this address so that they may, there may be no misunderstanding in the future. Davis would have never written an address to the free people of the northern of the people of the of the north where he doesn't use the term united states or confederate states where he says the war is going to be over and we're going to have the old union restored with slavery nationally declared the old union in his mind was gone it was never going to come back that was gone so that part of this the language that's used here the way that this thing is phrased shows you conclusively that davis didn't write this of course it says jefferson davis richmond inquirer print Right? 
That's when this was printed, supposedly January 5th, 1863. Now, here's the real problem with that. You can go look at the Richmond Enquirer for January 5th, 1863. I think it's actually January 6th. Now, there was a daily Richmond Enquirer that you can't find many copies of. But you can go look at every single Virginia newspaper that was published that's in digital form. There's several of them at the Library of Congress. Uh, there's other uh, places like uh, newspapers.com, which I have access to. I think I had about access to about eight Virginia newspapers, and I went through all of them, all of them, including the Richmond Enquirer, on the date in question. There's no mention of this at all. There's mention of Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. There's no mention of any of this in any newspaper whatsoever. It's not there. You would think something so momentous would have been published. You can look for this in northern newspapers. And a, a, a colleague of mine did and found one reference to it in November of 1863 as a passing note in a Pennsylvania newspaper. So it could have been written by a Pennsylvanian, but uh, probably not. It was probably written in New England, but somebody had a copy of this. The thing, the thing was circulating in the North, sort of. Um, but it's just, this is all fake. It's not in any Southern, it's not in the Richmond Enquirer in particular. The Richmond Enquirer by 1863 had been pretty much relegated to a, to a uh, twice a week paper. Again, there was the daily Richmond Enquirer, but um, there's just uh, you know, fragments of that paper in existence. Even there, it was a half sheet. It really wasn't publishing a lot at all. The, the regular Richmond Enquirer, the one that had been owned by Thomas Ritchie, was still printing in 1863. The uh, the editor of that paper had actually been killed in 1862, so it was kind of a a um, you know almost like a labor of love. These people were trying to keep it going, but it was difficult. They were having to to uh, cut out most of the news. The paper was much smaller, only four pages. Um, this would have been though. Jefferson Davis had actually issued this address. This would have been front and center. Guarantee, because Richmond Enquirer was pro-Davis, and they would have published anything that he wanted, and then they would, so it could go out to everywhere. I mean, and it would have been picked up by other newspapers. There's not one other newspaper anywhere that has this address in it. Not one, north or south. That's the clearest indication this is a fake. The other thing is that there's no manuscript of this in any of the Jefferson Davis papers. That doesn't mean anything necessarily. Because uh, I know, for example, in the Calhoun papers, there are things published in the collected uh, papers of John C. Calhoun where they, uh, they didn't have a manuscript, but yet they had some newspaper uh, addresses and other things that they considered to be authentic and put them in the papers. But in this case, this doesn't even sound like Davis at all. At all. So here you have the clearest evidence that this thing is a fake. Number one, you can't find it in any newspaper, at any time, any, any Virginia newspaper in January of 1863. It's not there. Number two, it's not mentioned in any northern newspaper except for a passing in a Pennsylvania newspaper in November of 1863. So not till, what, 11 months later is it even mentioned anywhere. Okay. Number three, the language in the paper, or in this broadside, doesn't even sound like Jefferson Davis in any way, at all. He never used the term President of the Southern Confederacy. He was been President of the Confederate States of America. Number four, he never, ever 
believed the United States was going to get back together. It was always independence first. So at the end of the document, when he talks about, well, the United States, the old union is going to be put back together. No, it wasn't. You can read what Davis actually said about the Emancipation Proclamation. It doesn't sound anything like this. Anything like this. There's so much working against this thing. So uh, in the early 20th century, into the early to mid 20th century, there's some question about this. And a couple of pretty important Jefferson Davis scholars just outright called it a fake. Well, it is. It's a forgery. It's a fake. Davis's name was faked. The fact that it was published in the Richmond Inquirer, I mean, you got to think, why would they? Why would whoever wrote this pick the Richmond Inquirer? Well, because it was one of the most prominent newspapers in Virginia. It had been around since the days of Thomas Ritchie. It was one of those big-name papers. They picked the paper that had the highest profile in Virginia to make it believable. Look, this is in the Richmond Inquirer. It says right here. And, of course, most people wouldn't have access in New, in New England or Pennsylvania or New York to the Richmond Inquirer. They wouldn't have been able to pick up that newspaper in 1863 to verify it was there. But it's not. The paper, again, did talk about Abraham Lincoln's uh, Emancipation Proclamation. They did talk about Davis's address to Congress. They talked about all these things, right? They talked about things in terms of politics. They talked about the war, the progress of the war. All this stuff was there. Not one mention of this. That's what makes this so embarrassing for the people that actually put this out there and say, here it is, Jefferson Davis thought this stuff. It's kind of like Hitler built the Berlin Wall. The evidence is all over. The, I mean, that, that thing that uh, was actually put out there as purposely being fake and people ran with it. I mean, it, that's hilarious in its own way. But this was purposely put out there. This is like, this is 19th century Twitter disinformation. It's what it is. So when people talk about this stuff, we got to have a department of disinformation. This stuff has been going on for a long time. It's completely fake. It's embarrassingly fake. It's embarrassing that anyone would put this up there and say, certainly this is Jefferson Davis that wrote this. Davis said a lot of things. You can go out and read his speeches. He said a lot of things about the Emancipation Proclamation. He said a lot of things about the war, about slavery, about race. He said a lot of things about these things. What he never said was this. And so if you're going to, to cite a document by Jefferson Davis, make sure you get one that's real. And the, the funniest part of it from the beginning is that it says right on the Library of Congress site. I'm going to read it to you. The famous fake reply to the Emancipation Proclamation probably printed in the North. Yeah. The famous fake reply. Probably printed in the North. Absolutely printed in the North. It wasn't printed in Richmond Inquirer because it doesn't exist. There's nothing there. So here the Library of Congress is actually doing a service. I mean, they're, they're saying, they don't, even, they don't even come out and say, well, it could be. There are some other areas that say, well, it could be fake. Library of Congress says, fake reply. This is fake. And yet, people will print it and people will run it on social media anyways because they want it. They just want it to be true. It has to be true. Davis had to have said these things. If you do spend any time reading Jefferson Davis, any time reading anything he wrote about any about the subjects at all, you realize from the syntax, from the from the uh, from the language being used, it's not Jefferson Davis. And then you add in the fact that, well, it's not in any newspaper. Clearly a fake. So next time somebody shows this to you, have this information at hand. Um, and uh, you can easily beat this back. 
Um, it's it's uh, this is one of the this is like a softball, but uh, you've got conservatives. The guy that originally posted this is a conservative, quote unquote, who believes in the proposition nation myth, who believes that uh, you know Lincoln was a saint, that we need to go out and worship Abraham Lincoln, and uh, that uh, the Union did no wrong. And I mean, it's just hilarious where these these people just get in these very interesting conundrums that they create themselves. Um, without any understanding or context. All right. So I had to talk about this 19th century fake news because it's just it's just hilarious at the end of the day. See you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. Mm-hmm.